You're listening to the Call Me Mr. You, the podcast, your new home for inspiration, family, sports conversations, and a lot of other stuff. We're your all-purpose pod for an all-purpose life and your weekly mirror check before you go change the world, baby. Enjoy the show. On the next episode of They Call Me Mr. You, we want to use this time in this episode to address one of the most important topics we ever discuss here, you. Not the you that wants to be financially prosperous and conquer every enemy, or the you that wants to know how to be the best ball they could ever dream of being, but the you many never get a chance to see. The you that suffers in silence. The you that lies to their friends and lies to themselves. The you that's desperately in need of a breakthrough, so much so that they feel it might all be over if they don't get it. The you that has to be honest about where they are and they need to have help from someone just one more time. These are the kind of episodes that make our motto of being the all-purpose pod for an all-purpose life all the more real. I promise you, I promise you today, if you decide to press play, you will never be the same as you were before you pressed it. Let's dig deep into the episode of the Call Me Mr. You, which starts right now. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the All Purpose Pod for an All Purpose Life. We're your weekly mirror check before you go change the world. You know how we do it in season two. I'm your host, Mr. You. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Welcome back to the all-purpose pod for an all-purpose life. We your weekly mirror check before you go change the world, baby. Hope you guys are doing great out there. Thank you so much again for joining us. Wherever you are, how are you hearing our podcast for today? Thank you again for making a Call Me Mr. You part of your morning, your day, and your week. We appreciate all of the love and support that we're getting from you guys. We're loving it. As we said from the outset, this is one of those episodes that I think is going to really strike a chord in the lives of people I know, people you know, maybe even you, the listener, the subscriber. This is really important, guys. I say that from time to time that we have those episodes that are just that episode, you know, the one that's going to blow your mind, rock your world. Knock your socks off. Well, I don't know if those things are going to happen here, but this is that episode that I really believe we need to hear it and perhaps maybe even hear it on loop. There are so many areas that we can cover on any given episode of the Call Me Mr. You. There's never a shortage of things that we can discuss and, and talk about. But if you don't mind, I want the opportunity today to teach. I know the world around us is going back crazy. Confusion at every turn. Glimmers of hope. That tomorrow can be better than today. News stories that blow your mind or make you feel a little bit numb. Never a shortage of things that we can talk about on the Call Me Mr. You. But today I want to teach you about three things that I honestly believe you need to learn and I need to learn while we still have the chance. Y'all can share several models that I choose to live by every day that shape how I look at the world and the people within it. But before we do that, I want to take the time to break up some hard ground, if you will. 
before we even attempt to plant any seed. The first thing I want to address is responsibility. Sound like a simple word. We heard it before. We know to some degree what it means. You know, I have a saying that that I, I live by. I believe that we should make a place better than it was when we leave it than it was before we got there. Or should I rephrase that? But I believe making a place better than it was before we got there when we leave it. Now, somebody invites me over to their house and many of you guys may know this to be true about me. I'm going to try to wash dishes, sweep floors, straighten up chairs, hold the baby, pick up whatever I can so that when we leave, the owners of the home that invited us have to do much less than they did before our arrival. If I drop one rice grain from the meal, you can bet the whole house, I'm going to find it and clean up whatever else I might find that somebody else dropped before I leave. If we're sitting in a meeting and someone rolls in front of me, leaves a water bottle or a styrofoam cup lying in the chair or under the seat, I'm taking it to the trash. There's a whole bunch of other scenarios that might fit, but it's not about being a neat freak or having some kind of cleaning compulsion or need for order. This is about the impact of your life on other people. Please allow me to connect the dots real quick for you. Now, the word responsibility is one of those dirty cuss words that the world at large doesn't like to discuss. The word literally means the opportunity or excuse me, the opportunity or ability to act independently and make decisions without authorization. The state or fact of being accountable or to blame for something, having a duty to deal with something or having power or control. That's responsibility. Acting independently in this case doesn't mean doing what you want to do because it feels right. I know the world around us is totally down with that. But that's not what we're talking about today. Making decisions that impact other people is often overlooked because we're generally gazing into our own eyes, looking at ourselves and how great we are and how great we look and how much good we're doing and what we see and want for ourselves. One of our mentors loves to say that Someone who dresses in a way that goes beyond provocative, you know, it's kind of borderline indecent. Our mentors will say that they don't have a mirror or a friend. Maybe they have both and they're just getting unwise counsel. I don't know. But choices like that, for example, are easy if you don't answer to anybody. If you don't regard any standard, morally, spiritually, or otherwise. You know, responsibility is something that you're given that doesn't just dictate how you act but how you treat others, how you respond to others. Wouldn't you say that responsibility would be a great thing for the world in the state that it's in right now? If people would just be responsible, people who have leadership roles, I don't care if it's the government, all the way down to your school and your church or your household. Wouldn't it be great if everybody was responsible for the mess they made? If they did what was expected of them with consistency and with morality, and with compassion, imagine what the world would look like right now. Romans 12, 6 and 8 says that if you're in service, then serve. If you're a teacher, then teach. If you're an encourager, you should be encouraging consistently. If you've been given something, you should be giving to others. If you're a leader, you should be leading with enthusiasm and consistency. If you're a beneficiary of mercy yourself, you should be merciful to other people and be cheerful while you're doing it. That's responsibility. The second thing is accountability. Now, accountability is the maternal twin or responsibility. 
when there's none found in a situation, there's normally chaos and massive liability. Codes and creeds don't mean anything without accountability. That's why you can find so many blatant abuses of authority in military circles, in law enforcement, in the political arena, even in your local fraternity and sororities. You can have a long list of values, mottos, creeds, decrees, and foundational recommendations. But if there's no sense of duty or purpose, you're bound to see disaster rear its ugly head sooner or later. Responsibility and accountability go hand in hand. It simply means, at its core, being trusted to do what's right and what's required. Whether that's addressing issues, injustices, or any kind of moral breakdowns, taking care of other people, or something of value that we're committed to, being honorable, holding duty and respect above us, above our own selves and our own desires, that's responsibility. That's accountability. I mean, honestly, if I were to give the examples that's on my heart right now, I'd make a lot of people very, very unhappy. Now, you may instantly think about words like responsibility and accountability and immediately think about your school, your job assignment maybe, even the role in your local ministry. Maybe you think about your obligation to your family or as a citizen of the United States of America. Maybe you're pondering something else altogether, like a relationship or some kind of business deal. Responsibility and accountability is about being trusted to do what's right and what's required. Not just for you, but for others as well. I honestly look around me and it's so easy to see how little these words mean in today's times. We do a good deed and we say it's all my idea. We do something wicked and we say it was the devil's idea. We sit on projects and passions that God has given us that have been birthed inside of us and we say it's God's idea but we're just simply waiting on him. No accountability toward our responsibility, our role in each situation here. You know, when I read certain books of the Bible, some of the judgments sound really harsh. Maybe you can relate to that. People get demolished and all they did was this. That person lost everything but all that happened was that. We look at everything from a view of what we can see rather than what actually is. That's kind of part of where the problem is. We give ourselves a break for not digging deeper, and that's wrong. That's really wrong. We say the devil's in the details, so we avoid having to confront the devil, if that makes sense to you. There was no accountability to anyone. Even in those times that we read about in Scripture, a common preface in that time was that you look at Judge, Judges chapter 17, verse 6. It says that in those days, there was no king in Israel. All the people did whatever was right in their own eyes. I'm not sure that we're not seeing uh, a microcosm of that right now, of that kind of mindset right now. It wasn't just that they didn't have a physical king or a leadership role model to make decrees and tell them what direction the kingdom should be heading in. But it was that Israel as a whole had rejected the one true king and removed him from their hearts. I'm going to tell you something today. And this is not some kind of commentary on being a Christian or being a non-Christian. It's not what this is about. But if you're looking for perfection in your approach to responsibility and accountability, or you're looking for that from somebody in office or somebody in your school, in leadership, in your church, or in your own household, even in your own mirror, when you're looking at yourself. It's going to be very hard to do that without having God in your heart and your, his word in your heart.
these people were not accountable to anyone. They did whatever was right in their own eyes. And it's so easy to do that when you don't, when you're not accountable, when you're not responsible to anyone, when you do whatever it is you want to do. I know people who work hard, work 40, 50, 60 hours a week, but they're not accountable to anybody. They just go to work and come home from work. They may have a wife and they may have children, but they're not accountable. They can't really be relied upon because they don't really have a compass. They don't have the ability to be coached and counseled and mentored. They just do what they want to do. They want to go to work. They want to get a paycheck so they can do whatever it is in life they want to do after work. But that doesn't mean that they're accountable. It doesn't mean they were even reliable. If I had a friend tell you what they were going to do, no matter what their parents said, were you that friend? To whom were you accountable? James 5 and 16 says that confess your sins to one another, not just in the privacy of your own home, phrase to make you look not so bad, where no one can remind you of what you said. But it says confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you might be healed. See that one another part? That includes other people. See, we have, a, we have become prone to trying to do life by ourselves. But responsibility and accountability can't really be done alone. It requires you to be with someone. Someone you can trust, perhaps, maybe in a coach or mentor role or a teacher role or a counseling role of some sort. But the most important one is between you and the God that gives you the morality, that gives you the accountability and the responsibility in the first place. How do, you, how do you do that on your own? How do you try to be the best you you can be on your own? Accountability goes even further. In 1 Thessalonians 5 and 11, it says, encourage one another and build one another up. Proverbs 27 and 17, very common phrase used all the time now. It says, iron sharpens iron and one man sharpens another. All those, all those examples tell you that we have to be around each other accountable to each other, responsible for each other, what we say to each other, what we say around each other, how we support each other, how we encourage, how even in the times of friction and conflict, we continue to build each other up because we know that we are one people at the end of the day and not just separate free agents doing what we want to do. Accountability is a big word. Matthew 12, 36 and 37 says, you have to give an account for every careless word you speak. By your words, you are justified, and by your words, you are condemned. Accountability is unavoidable. How do you explain that you've been in the same state for decades, but still present in the places where change and growth are available? Much of the things that we see laid out in scripture and in real life situations are products of heart conditions. It's not about the fact that you're in the right place doing the so-called right things. A lot of what we see is products of a heart conditions. Not the stuff that's, that's really overt and really clear to see, but the substance of the things that we can't see. That's where the problems are. That's what God wants to address. It's the actual converse of faith. Faith in Hebrews 11 and 1 says, it's the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. But we in our human selfishness look at things that are seen and ignore the things that we can't see. You know, those details we were talking about earlier. When God chooses the king, like he did with David, he doesn't look at facial expressions. 
physical stature, education, or any kind of outward appearance. He looks at the heart. That's how he decides what judgment or what favor or what grace or what blessing is required for the situation. See, we don't want to deal with that kind of stuff. We listen to all this junk in the world about the heart wants what the heart wants. I got a chip for you. Look at Jeremiah 17 and 9 and tell me about what the heart wants again and tell me if you can validate that the heart wants what the heart wants. And that's a good thing. Jeremiah 17 and 9. Even if you don't read the Bible, borrow your friend's Bible, borrow your neighbor's Bible and read that and talk to me about that. See, this is the part where it might start getting uncomfortable because we blame people, we point fingers and we don't deal with what's inside of us. We don't deal with the problems that we don't really want to see, you know, the details. I hear people say it all the time, oh, yeah, you have such a great heart. Go back to that passage again, Jeremiah 17, verse 9. Read that. And then tell me if you can say to somebody, you have a good heart. What we see is not always the reality. And the reality isn't always all there is to know or understand. I want to ask you a question. I'm not sure how it's going to land, but I want to ask you a question today. If the episode ends prematurely right here and right now, at least I know that you heard this question and you're taking time to think about the answer. Do you want to be made whole? I'm not pausing for effect. I just want you to think about it. Do you want to be made whole? The third and final thing we're going to discuss today is availability. Do you want to be made whole? In John chapter 5, Jesus went to a place that had a pool called by many the house of living kindness or the house of mercy. The pool was surrounded by five covered porches. Hundreds of sick people lying on the porches consistently, constantly, all the time, paralyzed, blind, impotent, crippled, waiting for a healing to show up. Putting their lives completely on a hold to a grinding halt, waiting for healing to happen for them. Now, if you have a porch, a covered porch in the back of your house, like many do, what do you do in your covered porch? Is that a place you escape from all of the noise in the house, all the kids in the house? Is that where you escape from your reality? Is that where you go and decompress and just try to, your darndest to forget everything that went on on the job? Everything that went on on the interstate when you're driving home? You may not want to forget, you may not want to admit this. But it's painfully easy to get comfortable on the porch. You can get distracted. You can begin to daydream. You can grow to not care about your agenda or your plans or your hopes and just get acquainted with the quiet. You can lose track of time. That might be how it is on your porch. That's definitely what happened on those five porches. It was said that an angel of God would periodically descend into the pool to stir up the waters. And the first one who stepped into the pool after the water swirled were instantly healed. I don't know about you, but for me, it immediately gives me a, a vision of a sporting competition. Last one into the right egg, or the one that doesn't get healed. A race to the finish kind of thing. It's important to understand that this level of miracle was few and far between during these times. The times we had prophets speaking Constantly and consistently were almost little to none during this era. It wasn't much different than the lottery. Except in this case, one in a thousand chances to get healed. What was important is that the opportunity for healing happened periodically. 
Now, I doubt there was a calendar posted or regular emails being sent out. They had to be ready. At a moment's notice, random, waiting. As a matter of fact, they may have to stay there every single day, every single night, because they had no idea when the healing opportunity was going to show up. So they put everything else on hold, essentially put their entire life on hold. Waiting there to get healed or waiting there to die. All at the same time. Catch that visual. That's pretty impactful to me. Maybe it is for you as well. But they had to be ready and waiting, giving up on everything, every other thing they could be doing in hopes that this day would be the day. I'll ask you again. Do you wish to be made whole? A man was disabled for 38 years, lying among the crowd of people who were all waiting for the same thing. Then Jesus asked the question, do you truly long to be healed? It seemed to be an obvious question to anybody who read it. He's been laying on the porch for who knows how long, how much of his life he sacrificed just to be in the right place to receive an opportunity. Of course he wanted to be healed, right? He's in the right place for it. He's around others who want to be healed too, right? So it should be logical. He wants to be healed, right? Do you think it's possible to be in the right place with the wrong mindset? And that's why you're not seeing results? Those five porches were places of misery. Misery loving company, diseases, infestations, paralysis, crippling afflictions, unable to move, some unable to see. People just in need of help, flat out. Now, if you read the passage yourself, you know that Jesus asked the impotent man of 38 years the question, do you really want to be made whole? And Jesus told the man to get up and walk, and he did. Instantly healed. Now, you may be thinking, oh, because he was over there with all those people in that crowd, that's why he got healed. Is that why he got healed? He didn't ask everybody, he just asked that one person. He answered to Jesus that he didn't have a man to help him into the waters. So he continued to miss his opportunity year after year, season after season. Now, before you begin to pity this man, ask yourself if you are as honest as he was. See, he owned that he was impotent. Do you? He was honest about the fact that he needed help. Are you? He was real about the fact that his health was failing him. And he was clear that he was relying on the help of other people. Are you? Or are you walking in pride? It's not what he wanted. It's not what he wanted to be in life. I mean, maybe he had a wife and children. Maybe he had businesses. Maybe he had livestock. Plans for the future. But he sat on his covered porch. Year after year, season after season. He was able to confess where he was. And I really believe, I'm not trying to be a a scholar or tell you something that you may not know. But it really feels as though, in that case, confession was made into salvation for him. There were hundreds of people out there. Hundreds of them. In similar predicaments. And when Jesus walked away, they were still not healed. And all the time that Jesus went into crowds and healed everybody he put his hands on and everybody he could speak to. It it seems to appear 
from what we can get from the, from the, from the account, that those hundreds of folks still stayed there, not healed when Jesus left. Do you know how difficult it is for us to even be honest about where we are? If you're honest about that part, that could be a life-changing breakthrough for you. If you can just be honest that you're not, that you're not being honest about where you are. We're still smiling in people's faces, saying God is good, all is well, I'm blessed. And as soon as we're out of that eye line, that old frown that's been stuck on our face for who knows how long returns back to where it was on our face where it's been for so long. This man waited at the pool day in and day out, acknowledging his need for heavenly aid. He needed a miracle. And it wasn't a need that he, he easily forgot. It affected his eating, I'm sure, his sleeping, his ability to rest, his ability to think about other things, to have other plans in life. It was his sole mission in life at this point, to be healed. Maybe in his mind, he couldn't do anything else until he was set free from this 38-year affliction. Now, I'm going to stir up something right now with another question. Did this impotent man operate in faith or in unbelief? I want you to think about that a little bit. If nothing else, it just helps you when you're reading to think about things more competently, to dig in a little bit deeper and not just not read in a surface way, but dig a little deeper. Then this episode is, is well worth it then. Did this impotent man operate in faith or in unbelief? Yes, he went to the pool routinely. That's true. It sounds like faith, but in what? Was it faith in God? Was it faith in the angel? Or was it faith in the ordinances that everybody in the whole town had about how you get healed? And what's going to work for you if you do this? If you go to the, one of the five covered porches, you get healed. What did he have faith in? He followed a traditional standard of where you should go if you want to be healed. Essentially, he was on time for all the meetings. Yes, he heard about an angel of God. That would heal what he was dealing with. But does that mean he was a believer? I mean, does it? There wouldn't be a need for sheep and goats or wheat and tares to be separated unless they were together all the time, right? Is it possible you can be routinely in a place where healing is possible and still not believe? Is that possible? I think so. Do you have any evidence at all that this man believed the gospel? even though he laid under that porch for so many years. He believed that from what he heard, that an angel of God will heal you if you're at that pool at the right time in the right season. But that's what we know. That's all we know. Maybe it's comfortable for us to be around other sick people like us. Take the pressure off or trying to get up and crawl and fight and cry out. Perhaps being around folks like you makes it easier for you to forget your sin. It's all blended together with the sins of other people around you. Is it possible to be routinely in a place where healing is possible and still not believe? What if you don't get healed during the altar call? What if it doesn't happen at the healing conference? What if the, the word goes forth and hands are laid and you're still not healed? 
Is that a failure on God's part to do what he said? Is that another attempt by us to self-medicate? Or is there something still yet undiagnosed in our hearts that counteracts the thing we want so desperately, so badly? So here we are full circle from where we started today. The importance of responsibility, accountability, and now availability. This might sound strange in your ears, but you can be in a place and still be unavailable. But do you believe that? Very few stay around after the party's already over to help clean up the mess they made. There's always a small percentage. Why is that? They were there, but physically unavailable when they were needed. It's not impossible to be at a large missional event and decide within yourself that there are certain things you just decided you are not going to do. They may possibly change your life for the good, take you where you said you wanted to go. But you refuse to make the sacrifice required because it's just too much for you to give up. You were present, you bought a ticket, and you sat in a chair for hours, but you were emotionally and spiritually unavailable. You were there, but you were unavailable. Recall the words of Jesus to that same man who was impotent for 38 years. He said, remember what Jesus said to the man after he showed himself to the religious leaders fully healed. His words were, walk away from your sin so that nothing worse will happen to you. Jesus told the man after he showed himself to the religious leaders, he said, walk away from your sin so that nothing worse will happen to you. Am I making a commentary on why the man was impotent in the first place? This seems to imply that sin was at the core of that, which takes us back to the responsibility, accountability, availability aspect of this episode. We had to deal with our own hearts and why are we not where we want to be. His state of being was directly impacted by his state of mind and heart. He was available where the opportunity was, but still distant enough to not be able to grab what he wanted so badly. I wonder this man, impotent for 38 years, in one of these covered porches, ever cried out for help. He told Jesus he didn't have a man to help him into the water. That implied that there was a man there that could help. I wonder if he knew enough about God to believe it could happen outside of the ordinances that the townspeople followed. Outside of the rules of conduct, be at this porch at this time and this will happen. I wonder if you're even willing to admit to yourself today that you need help. Even if it means jumping into a dirty Jordan River like Naaman did or being uncomfortable. Or having to step outside of the normal and natural to embrace the supernatural. We say that, but are we really open for help? Like for real, for real. What if it means being separated from the, from the people who actually enable you to get sick in the first place. I got to ask a question. How do you get healed in the same place that made you sick in the first place? How do you get healed in the same place that made you sick in the first place? I mean, we have to start asking ourselves these questions because we say it's not just about healing. This is about being responsible. This is about being accountable. It's about also being available. I mean, honestly, are you responsible for what's been given to you by grace? Are you accountable to those with whom you have influence and to those that have been called to serve you or for you to serve 
under them in leadership? Are you truly available to be healed and made whole? I'm going to ask you one more time today. Do you wish to be made whole? I don't know what you're going through in life. I don't know what your challenge is. I don't know how long you've been challenged. And I've been through some things and I understand some things today that I didn't understand before. So I hope this episode helps open the door for some healing for you, some deliverance for you, some change of mindset for you. I hope you got something something of value out of this episode today. Do you wish to be made whole? The answer is more than just being at the right place. At the right time, in the right season. It's also about having the right mind too. God, I, I don't know what else to say. I want to say this. Thank you again for supporting us at the Mr. You. We do aspire to be the all-purpose pod for an all-purpose life. And your mirror check before you go change the world. But you got to look in the mirror. You got to check yourself out. By the mirror of the word of God, not by your own standards. Not by the opinion of your friends and family. They're too flawed to give you what you need in that scenario. You need the perfect advice. The perfect counsel. It's only found in one place. Do you wish to be made whole? The answer is more than just being at the right place. You got to have the right mind. However you are, hearing our podcast today, however you're listening. Thank you again for making a Call Me Mr. You part of your morning, your day, and your week. Have a great week. Coach out. Enjoy the music. Thanks again for listening to the Call Me Mr. You, the podcast. Hope you enjoyed the show. Please like, share, and subscribe to our YouTube channel for all of our full-length live episodes. And of course, if you're an audio listener, wherever you enjoy your podcast listening, you can find the Call Me Mr. You, the podcast. Hope you enjoyed the show. Go change the world. Coach out.